Recorded live at IPW in Orlando, Florida, this is Brand USA Talks Travel. At IPW, travel executives from over 70 countries have come to reunite and rebuild the global travel industry. We brought this podcast to IPW so you can catch up with the trending topics. Here's your host, Mark Lapidus. What's your favorite Nevada plant? Not the sagebrush. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> Actually, I think it's those, um, they're red and they come up out of the ground. I think they're called winter plants up at Lake Tahoe. They're really beautiful. I think I've seen those inside of houses, but never outside of yeah, houses. Yeah. yeah, Very nice. My guest today is Sherry L. Rupert from Ianta, and she has nearly two decades of executive level experience managing and promoting Native American tourism. As CEO of the only national association dedicated to indigenous tourism, she is the leading voice when it comes to advocating for travel and tourism as a significant economic driver in tribal nations. So Sherry, let's start with nomenclature because what people say is really important. And I know because I do our websites and our television network that often we don't even really know how to refer to people people correctly. Right. So what is the best terminology to use? Right. I mean, it's different all across Indian country, American Indian, Native American, indigenous. We kind of use all of those synonymously across Indian country. And see, I'm saying Indian country. (laughs) But we are all indigenous people of this nation. Some say Native American, some say American Indian. But I think the best way is just to ask, what do you prefer? Most individual people prefer to be called by their tribe. I'm a citizen of the Benton Paiute tribe, for example. How many tribes are there? There are 574 federally recognized tribes across the nation. And then there are also Native Hawaiians who are indigenous to their lands, but are not recognized by our federal government. So how long have tribes been involved with tourism? Thousands of years. As you know, the lands here in the United States were originally the land of our people, the Native people. So we've been welcoming visitors here to this country for thousands of years. What would you like to share with people interested in visiting Indian country? First off, that there are, as we mentioned, 574 tribes that are sovereign nations and that are very unique, not just in their location, but in their culture, their language, their traditions. And so there's this opportunity to be able to experience these unique transformative experiences in Indian country that can't be had anywhere else. Can you give us some examples? Sure. The Yurok tribe up in Northern California, among the redwood trees, have carvers that have carved canoes out of the redwood trees. And so you have the opportunity to take a tour, float down their river in a Yurok canoe, and hear from a local native guide about their people, their challenges with water there, the reintroduction of the condor, and how they're working with California State Parks to manage one of the visitor centers in their area. What is the best way, Sherry, for international tourists to find out about these experiences? So we have a website, nativeamerica.travel. It's a consumer-facing website, and it has all of this rich information about our tribes. We outreach to the tribes daily and are always trying to create content with them. Nothing on that website does not have an approval by the tribe before it's even put onto the website. Again, always looking for those iconic photos and video that we can share as inspiration for travelers when they're thinking about coming to Indian country. 
How is it that IONDA works with the state travel bureaus? We really try to strike up relationships with the state destination management organizations. Some tribes have really great relationships with their state DMOs and some don't. And that's for various reasons unknown. So we try to make that connection between the tribes and the small native-owned businesses to those state DMOs and local CVBs. Because as we know, they can't help market you if they don't know what you have. One other point that I'd like to make is about the systems in this country for tourism. What many people don't know is that tourism in this country is funded by room tax funds and tribes don't necessarily give in to those room tax funds. If they own a resort, those fees that are collected go to the tribal government and the government decides how they will use those funds. And so that could be for education, healthcare, law enforcement within their communities, those life safety issues that are very important to take care of their people. So the state DMOs and local CVBs don't necessarily have to work with or for the tribes and their destinations. And so that's where IANTA comes in to fill that gap. But we too don't receive room tax funds. We need to fix that. And so that's what we're working on now is how do we fix that to make it more accessible and inclusive and have equity for tribes and tribal tourism in this industry. Is Ayanta a nonprofit? Ayanta is a national native nonprofit, and we're very proud of the fact that we're native led. We have 15 regions across the country, and each region has a tribal representative or a native person representing that region on our board. So, where is most of the funding coming from? Most of our funding right now comes from the federal government. We have an agreement with the Department of Interior, actually an MOU with Interior and Department of Commerce that came after passage of the Native Act, the Native American Tourism and Improving Visitor Experience Act. If DMOs want to work with you, how do they do that? Get a hold of us. We're easily accessible online, by phone, text me. I'd be happy to work with any DMO across the country. Do you get a lot of calls? Actually, we do, and we're seeing more and more at our annual American Indian Tourism Conference, a lot of DMOs coming because they're really getting a lot of requests for those authentic, unique experiences with people that are in the great outdoors. And that's where we are perfectly situated as Native people because that's where our lands are. Tell me more about the conference. So the American Indian Tourism Conference takes place annually in October, and we move it around the country to different Native communities. This last year, we were with the Yavapai Nation, who has the Weekapaw Resort Casino in Scottsdale, Arizona. And that's a beautiful, beautiful property if you haven't ever been there. This year, in October 2022, we'll be with the Rincon Tribe down in Southern California in San Diego County, Funner, California, because we're going to have Funner at the conference. It's going to be amazing, and we're growing, and we're so excited to be here at IPW with our tribal partners. How many people work in your organization? We're a small organization, but we're mighty. We have about 16 employees. We're looking to grow that, though, because of the demand and the opportunities that are out there for those 574 tribes and Native Hawaiians. During the pandemic, some communities were able to refresh or even build tribal cultural centers. Can you tell me more about these centers and what visitors can find there? 
So what we're seeing during the pandemic is a trend across Indian country, spending billions of dollars to be able to tell their stories. That's what's most important to tribes. They know they're not going to make a ton of money on these cultural centers, but it's more important for them to be able to convey to visitors who they are in their own words, telling their own stories. And I always tell people that those cultural centers, museums are the best place to go for your first visit somewhere because that's where you're going to get the true story of who these people are. These stories have been vetted. They've been run through the community, through the elders. So that's where you should get that first touch point. And it's also a place where you're going to find cultural people of the tribe volunteering there, sharing their stories. Many of them have gift shops where they have asked local artisans to display their work and showcase their work in these gift shops. Ayanta has worked with Brand USA closely throughout the years. Do you have a favorite partnership that we've worked on together? We're currently working with Brand USA on a FAM tour, and we've done this for the past four years or so, bringing tour operators and media to Indian country to experience firsthand what tribal lands are, these amazing transformative experiences they can have in Indian country. So this FAM tour that we're working on is going to be just prior to our annual American Indian Tourism Conference that's coming up in October. And so we'll be taking uh, tour operators and media through Southern California, visiting those tribes there and their experiences, and then ending up at our tourism conference, which starts out with a mobile workshop where a participant would be able to learn about the Rincon tribe and what they're doing as far as tourism is concerned. And then we have three days to participate in our annual American Indian Tourism Conference, where we bring in experts from around the country. We bring in tribes that are doing amazing things, innovative things to share that with other tribes, maybe that are just starting out and want to know the details, want to dig deeper so that way they can participate in the tourism industry as well. I've learned that you're from Nevada and that one of the projects you're most passionate about is the Stewart Indian School Museum and Cultural Center in Carson City. Tell me a little bit about the school and its importance. Prior to me coming to Ianta as the CEO, I was the former Indian Affairs Director in the state of Nevada for 15 years. And my office was located at the former Stewart Indian Boarding School in Carson City, Nevada. That school was established in 1890 and closed in just 1980, not too long ago. It was part of over 200 Indian boarding schools that were instituted across the nation by the federal government to remove our children from our homes, from our culture, from our people, our families, and put our children into these boarding schools to change them, to essentially take everything away that made them Indian. So... Being out at the Stewart Indian School, it was really a priority for me to be able to preserve that school. And people say to me, oh, Sherry, it's just a school. It's just a building. Well, no, it's not. It's 110 acres, over 65 buildings that are still standing from the 1930s. This place that really was just meant to decimate our people, to pull them apart, to make them like everybody else. So my charge was not only to preserve, but to tell the stories of the thousands of children that went through that school. Through the interviews that I had done over the years with the Stewart alumni, what I heard over and over again was, we didn't have a voice. We couldn't fight back. They didn't allow us to do that. They didn't allow us to speak our language. They never empowered us. So through telling their stories, there's healing. And that's why it was so important to move forward with establishment of a cultural center and a welcome center at Stewart. 
So I was able to convince the then governor, Brian Sandoval, and our state legislature to invest $5.7 million in two buildings for a cultural center and a welcome center so we could tell that story, so we could give voice back to those children so they can have their voices again. And when will people be able to see the work? The Cultural Center opened in December of 2019, just prior to the pandemic. You should see what I'm saying. She's actually (laughs) tearing up here. It's really something. I can tell this work is very near and dear to your heart. A lot of my relatives went to those schools. And so I'm a product Mm -hmm. of that and the effects of those boarding schools as well. So actually, Father's Day weekend in Carson City, Nevada, they're going to be having the grand opening of the Stewart Indian School Cultural Center and Museum. And I will be there to make remarks and to convey the joy and happiness that I have that it actually came to fruition. Congratulations. That is so fabulous. Thank you. Any final words before you go, Sherry? Just to let people know that there are these amazing people and these amazing spaces and amazing stories to be able to experience in Indian country. So don't be afraid to come. Don't be afraid to ask. Look at nativeamerica.travel and be inspired to visit. Well, thank you so much for dropping by our IPW booth today. We really appreciate it. And it was such a pleasure talking with you today, Sherry. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this live from IPW Podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe to Brand USA Talks Travel. We have so many industry leaders to speak with here at IPW that we'll be pushing out many consecutive episodes with new guests. We hope you'll binge listen when you have time. I'm Mark Lapidus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, email us at podcast at thebrandusa.com or call 202-793-6256. Our producer is Asher Mirovich, who also writes and performs all music and sound. Engineering by Brian Watkins. Be sure and let your friends in the travel industry know about this podcast.